Thank you, Nick. We sing that song every year at, um, at annual conference. And one of the things um, that we talk about is, is how we are known. And um, we have been working together as a group of uh, staff and a group of laity um, for about two years now, a year and a half, give or take, and, um, and working together to define God's vision for who we are and who we want to be known as and what we want to be known for. And so we, um, we began to write words and um, at our staff retreat uh, last year, we sat down and we began with the words, we desire to be a church empowered and united by the Holy Spirit. I think that's an important thing for us to be empowered and united by. And then we began to define what that looks like. And so we, we began to talk about how we want to be welcoming and loving and serving. Brent talked to y'all last week a little bit about what it means to be welcoming, and I get to talk to you about what it means to be loving. And it's not as simple as we think it is. We think, okay, we got to love people. That's easy, right? That's easy until you have their pet peeve start getting on your nerves. Um, Homer Simpson, in uh, one of the Simpson episodes, is in church, and the pastor's preaching, and he says, Oh, it's easy to love your neighbor. It's just Ned Flanders that's hard to love. And if you watch The Simpsons, you know Ned Flanders is his neighbor. Um, when, we, when we live together, we often find ourselves having obstacles to love. The more we get to know each other, because everybody's life is messy, and we all have stuff that gets in the way. And so... Um, it's important that we know how to love. William Self said that love is the universal hunger in the human heart. So we're going to go to Scripture. We're going to find out what John says about love and God in the first chapter of John, or in First John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Dear friends, let's love each other. Because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. The person who doesn't love does not know God, because God is love. This is how the love of God is revealed to us. God has sent his only son into the world so that we can live through him. This is love. It is not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the sacrifice that deals with our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us this way, we also ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. If we love each other, God remains in us and his love is made perfect in us. This is how we remain in him, and he remains in us, because he has given us a measure of his spirit. We have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If any of us confess that Jesus is God's Son, God remains in us, and we remain in God. We have known and have believed the love that God has for us. 
God is love, and those who remain in love remain in God, and God remains in them. This is how love has been perfected in us, so that we can have confidence on the judgment day, because we are exactly the same as God in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear expects punishment. The person who is afraid has not been made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates a brother or sister, he is a liar because the person who doesn't love a brother or sister who can be seen can't love God who can't be seen. This commandment we have from him, those who claim to love God, ought to love their brother and sister also. Those are powerful words, strong words about love. Now, I'm the youngest of four, and there were times that I did not love my brothers or my sister. Just being real and being honest, I did. I just didn't like them very much. I came to love them more and more. God has a way of teaching us about love through our families, through the people around us. It doesn't matter whether you're an only child or you have a house of 12 kids in there. You have brothers and sisters that you are given in the family of faith so that you can learn to love one another. Um, in 1 John, love is a prominent theme, essential to understanding who God is, what love is, how we are to love each other, and especially in the church, it teaches us about loving internally and externally. And if we're not loving internally, it shows externally, I promise you. You know if you see a family that doesn't have love in their household, it's, it shows when people see them out and about. And it shows when we have a church that doesn't love. Now, love is something that our world has been terribly confused about for a very long time. Um, Charles talked about that this morning, but um, C.S. Lewis defined four different kinds of love. One is parental love. The Greek word for that is storge. Uh, friendship love. The Greek word for that is philia. Romantic love. Um, you know, valentines, hearts, flowers, all the violins and all that is eros. And then there's a divine love, agape. Agape love is a love that gives without expecting in return. It's a covenant love, sacrificial, like the love of Jesus. Jesus died for us as an act of agape, and we are called to live in agape love for one another. Love is not an ideal. It's not, uh, it's not defined by the words of the, I think it's the Nat King Cole song, L is for the way you look at me, and it goes on. But love is relationship. It's the glue that holds us together. And as Christians, the glue that holds us together is that love of Christ. Perfect love is not the love of 
of human beings for God, but the love of human beings for one another as representatives of the unseen God. You can't look at, look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Look at somebody. If you're not sitting by somebody, turn around and find somebody to look at. You will not find a face in here that is not the face of someone God does not love. God loves every single one of us. And praise God for that. We need love. Each one of us is God's representative and deserving of love and commanded to. Not just, it'd be nice if you love your brother or sister. We are commanded to love our brother or sister. It's one of those things that is like your parents' directions, and no matter what age you've heard this, because I said so. God says, love one another because I said so. And he, and, and he has our best interest at heart in that. Sloan Coffin, in The Courage of Love, wrote, God's love doesn't seek value. It creates it. It is not because we have value that we are loved, but because we are loved, we have value. I saw this in the Philippines. Um, it was uh, five years ago. I went and uh, went with a mission team with the conference, and there were, um, we went to a cemetery where there's, there's 3,000 people that live in this particular cemetery. It's just a completely different way of life there. And um, kids and teens were coming up, and they could not believe that somebody loved them enough to travel across the world to see them, much less die for them. But when they saw somebody would travel that far to see them, they began to embrace the fact that God could love them enough that his son could die for them, that they could know life. And then we put it in practical terms because we always want to put love in practical terms. We took a picture with them. They never saw a copy of that picture. But what we were told as the kids walked away standing a little bit taller was that because an American wanted their picture made with them, their value, their status increased. Those who have been to Kenya, you know this. I see the heads nodding. Those who have been to different places, you know what this is like. Nothing hurts worse or steals more joy than broken relationship or a feeling of being unlovable. Jen Hatmaker, uh, in For the Love, Fighting for Grace in a World of Impossible Standards, wrote um, about how we are really tough on each other when it comes to loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. And she says, folks who thrive in God's grace give grace easily, but the self-critical person easily becomes others critical. We love people the way we love ourselves. Do you love yourself? God loves you. If you're worthy of God's love, you ought to be worthy of self-love. Until you love yourself, you can't love somebody else. But God is giving you love so that you will know what it is. 
um, Jen goes on to say um, that we live and breathe for the love of Jesus, for the love of our neighbors in this world, that it is all that will last and that it's all that matters. She says, she points out that Paul says, you know, we can have our junk, this is 1 Corinthians 13, just in hatmaker language. Um, as Paul said, we can have our junk together in a thousand different ways, but if we don't love, we are totally, completely bankrupt. Get this right and everything follows. Get it wrong and life becomes bitter. One of the best parts of life is the people in our life. And, um, you know, it's hard because our stories are messy. Our lives are messy and um, things don't always go real easy for us. We, we map out a life plan. Um, probably a few of you in here would raise your hands if I ask you to tell me if your life unfolded the way you intended it to. Whose life didn't unfold the way you intended it to? <laughs> you know, I know mine, mine didn't. We can't deliver people from where life takes a detour. We can't deliver them from the pit they've fallen into. But we can climb in there with them until God delivers them. And we can remind them that they are loved. Um, Bishop Schnees wrote in uh, Five Fruitful Practices that the, you know, we need other people. We need other Christians to help us, especially when we pray, we read scripture, when we um, learn to love and forgive, and we explore and respond to the will of God for our lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that we see in the companionship of a fellow Christian a physical sign of the gracious presence of Christ and that every Christian needs another Christian when he or she becomes uncertain and discouraged. We in scripture have story after story of how God's love unfolds. Hosea was a prophet and he probably thought God had lost it when he told him to marry Gomer. Gomer was a woman who was on the margins. She had not lived a life that, that followed God's will for her life. And God said, I want you to marry her because I want you to teach Israel what the love of God looks like. That I'm going to love you no matter what. It doesn't matter what you do. I'm going to love you. <laughs> Go on, run, up, run up over here. Ignore me. I still love you. Parents, do you ever go through this with your kids? We try God's boundaries. But God over and over and over again gives us reminders so that we can understand his love. In Matthew 5, he told his disciples, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the just and the unjust and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward will you get? Is that love? Or is that just reciprocity? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing any more than any others? Aren't the tax collectors doing that? Don't pagans do that? Love as your father loves. Luke 27 mirrors these words. Um, And he also says in there, you know, if someone asks for your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give everything to them. If anyone takes what, what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. These are challenging words to us. Love those who hate you. If somebody steals something from you, don't demand that back. That's a radical love. Claudia Highbaugh says, love and the love of God is an act of embrace of one person to another because love is of God. In regular human circumstances, love is a powerful feeling directed away toward the seen and the unknown as we often more easily can express our love for God than our love for our family, friends, colleagues, or children who don't behave a certain way. Now, your children, who's, who's a parent here? Who's a parent? Has your child ever gone against what you told them to do? Who has a perfect child in here? I, I saw a hand in the back. <laughs> Who obeyed everything their parent ordered them to do and directed them to do when they were growing up. Yeah. We, we get it wrong. <laughs> the gospel says that the love of God, born of God, insists that if we know God and we love God, that we have to love one another. We have to. We don't have a choice. And yet, is it easier to love God than to love the person next to you? That neighbor that, you know, they, they park their car on your lawn every Friday because they're just tired when they come in from work, or that person that just has a pet peeve that you just can't stand. Maybe they click their pen while you're in a conversation. Oh, I, I see somebody over here reacting to that. Yeah. The people you've, especially your spouse, your sibling, your your parent. The more we know each other, the more we let our walls down and become vulnerable. And that's when love has an opportunity to be at its greatest. But it can also be the easiest person not to love. The gospel tells us we have to love even the unlovable. Even the unlovable. 
It's one of the greatest challenges that we have before us. Love during these times is agape love. Behind anger, resentment, pain, broken relationship, all of that is fear. In verse 18 of this passage that we read, we read that perfect love cast out fear. That was on a banner out here when the neo-Nazi group tried to come and set up in this park. And Noonan said, we're not going to have it. We're going to love each other. We're going to show up with our 500 pounds of sidewalk chalk. We're going to write love's love messages and hope messages, and they shut down hatred. That was a powerful thing, and the nation took notice. Noonan, Georgia made a difference. Noonan, Georgia set a precedence for how those kinds of things that compete for our attention and that try to influence us, they're not going to happen. Because the love that was here cast out the fear of this group coming. It cast out any influence they could have. Fear is divisive. And love is an act of courage in the face of fear. Claudia Haibah, who I quoted earlier, says, The kind of love that abides in God doesn't allow for those differences. The love that abides in God, as expressed when people love one another, is is not a love that that contemplates the outcome, but is just simply a pure and faithful expression of love. I, I love the little Facebook memes that says, Bob is a Republican. He's friends with Sally. Sally is a Democrat. She's friends with Bob. Be like Bob and Sally. You know, we can, we can be different. We can have different opinions, and we can still love one another. I'm guessing, who in here has the exact same opinions as their spouse on every single thing? Who in here has the, if you're not married, who in here has the exact same opinion as your best friend on every little thing? We don't. We are created differently. We are created uniquely and wonderfully. We have different circumstances and experiences that define us in many ways. There's a a church that um, also was seeking their mission statement, and they wrote this about what it is to love people, because their, their mission statement ended up being love people, love God, plain and simple. They said, love is the thing that motivates us and sends us into the spaces of our city where people's stories live. Jesus is our perfect example of what it looks like to be loving, to live a life of active love for the people around him. In Mark 5, he meets a man possessed by spirits and cast away by the community he lived and worked in. His neighbors and relationships bound him in chains and left him to die in the tombs of the city. Their frustration and fear of this man led them to do the unthinkable by isolating him from the touch of human relationship. To suffer not only the pain of the spirits, but also the abandonment of the people he once called family, friend, and neighbor. But Jesus showed up. 
having crossed a raging sea, to be with this man in the midst of his isolation. And he does the one thing that had been denied to him for so long. He loves him. He's present with him, right where he was. One of the reasons loving people is so hard is we may want to mask the messiness of our own story in the process of helping others, but ultimately all our stories are messy and challenging, coming with baggage in one form or another that when opened up shows a reality less attractive to those around us. I have friends who um, are very real with their congregations about the struggles they go through, and as pastoral leaders, they've been cautioned not to do this. But what they have found is that as they lead their congregations, that people come to them and say, thank you for being real. We've talked about this in, a, in the women's Bible study, the covenant Bible study on Wednesday mornings. The pastor of Christ Church in Memphis is a man who struggles with HIV and AIDS. And when he went there, he said, you need to know my story because if you stop there, you're going to judge me. I'm a hemophiliac, and I had a transfusion, and I now have HIV and AIDS. But I know what it's like to suffer that, and God has led me to work with a population that others will not work with. God has taken a tragedy and shown, it, shown me how I can love. Now, you can love me, and you cannot let this be an obstacle, or you can love God with me by loving the people around us. Whatever your story is, it is filled with the love of God, whether you can see it or not. The only way that we overcome hate, the only way we overcome conditional love or superficial love is to embrace one another and love the way God loved us. doesn't make sense completely, but then God's love has always been a bit mysterious. It's hard to understand divine when we are human. So what do we do? In A River Runs Through It, um, Reverend McLean, the father of two boys who are very different, who are on two very different spiritual paths and who have two very different outcomes in their life story, preaches this in his final sermon. Each one of us here today will at one time in our lives look upon a loved one who is in need and ask the same question. We are willing to help, Lord, but what, if anything, is needed? For it is true we can seldom help those closest to us. Either we don't know what part of ourselves to give, or more often than not, the part we have to give isn't wanted. And so it is with those we, love, we live with, and, should, and we should know what eludes us. But we can still love them. This is what I want you to hear. We can love completely without complete understanding. Say that again. We can love completely 
without complete understanding. This isn't a message that's brand new, probably. You've probably heard it before. But love is not a simple thing. And yet it's so simple, we miss it. It goes beyond the heart-shaped chocolates and the flowers and gifts. Love isn't worthy of the name love until it overcomes contempt until it overcomes obstacle, until it overcomes whatever it is that separates us from another person. The love that surpasses those boundaries is Christ-like love. Persistent love. Overcoming love. Nick sang the prayer of St. Francis. In that song are the words, it's in the loving we find love. When you have, I think everybody in this room knows what it's like to really love somebody without obstacle, doesn't matter what they do, you're still going to love them. I hope you know that kind of love. Does that not feel good to love that way? It permeates every fiber of your being. As a church, we can love that way. As a church, we can welcome that way and serve that way. And it will make a difference. My um, friend Sharma, who was my um, leader of the trip in... uh, the Philippines, is now bishop in the Virginia Conference, and she asked this question. If the doors of your church closed, would anybody know? What would they miss if they did know? I would love for Noonan to see the love that's in this church. I would love for them to feel the love of Jesus Christ because they came into contact with somebody from this church. Then we know that we are loving as God loves. Where love overcomes hate, the gospel is made manifest and the presence of divine love shows itself as the most powerful force in the universe. You think going to the gym to lift weights is going to make you strong? Love. That will make you strong. In the words of 1 John 4, Beloved, let us love one another. For God is love. Amen. Y'all pray with me. God, you have loved us so deeply through your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that we would seek to love one another, whether it's uh, simply just by trying to commit uh, the name of a person we've just met to memory or 
whether it's reaching out to someone um, whose life looks different than ours, whether it's seeking to understand and seeking to love rather than to be understood and to be loved, whatever it is, Lord, you are calling us to welcome and love your people and serve your people here in Noonan. And we want to respond to that call with a resounding yes. So we ask that you would take our hearts and our lives and that you would transform them. That you would make us to be your hands, your feet, so that in loving we may find love, your love. You because we know that you are love. Amen.